Back with another day one Dolphins podcast hosted by none other than myself, Ouch Man, the professional concussion evaluator. Follow me on Twitter at YFinsYY. Here with me is my fellow lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. He got a neurology degree this week on Coursera. Chief Sut, please throw him a follow on Twitter at Chief Sut. Follow our podcast at Day One Dolphins. Stay up to date. Let's get down to it. What's going on, Sut? <laughs> I'm I'm chilling, bro. I'm glad everybody uh in dolphins land learned what neurology was this week i feel like most people didn't even know what that word meant until uh they started seeing it smacked up all over twitter so i'm glad we're getting smarter as a fan yeah. base if everyone else is gonna play sofa doctor this week i'm gonna take part as well um but i did <laughs> but we'll start with the game before we get to the concussion because i know that's gonna take like uh, the majority of what we complain and talk nah, about we're gonna go through that quick no need to keep hanging up on that we, we we'll get our points out and keep it moving because people only want to hear so much more about that shit, you know all right fine let's do it do we know 100 percent that Tua was concussed in the bills game so i have a friend that is a physical trainer like a, uh, I want to use her her true term, but it it might just be PT, it, it might be trainer, but whatever, we'll go with trainer. But she used to work at UCF during the uh, undefeated season, their little what they call a national championship season. Blake Bortles, uh, Mackenzie Milton. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, I also have a friend that is the offensive line coach of St. Thomas Aquinas. Both of them were adamant that whoever cleared Tua needed to lose their job because it was so clear that he had a concussion. And there's this YouTube channel that I follow. It's the Fantasy Doctors. They're actual doctors that go over everything. And days before our game, uh, their main guy was talking about how it's absolutely disrespectful to his job and his livelihood and his trade to try to tell everyone that's a back and an ankle injury that is clearly a concussion as clear as the sun shines like there's no debate they can try to pass it for whatever they want we're in a league where people pass that uh concussion is something else all the time it just isn't usually in the spotlight like that but two is a guy that lives in the spotlight so it was but at the end of the day everyone outside of our dolphins world agrees it was a concussion most of us look at it with our naked eye and know it was a concussion but some people just feel the need to well, argue it this. and like we, we can all we want you can lie to yourself if you want but it just is what it is dude it happens it's football like going back to high school football people play with concussions like how many fingers am i holding up who's the president cool get back after it like as long as you're not throwing up and seeing double like it's still it's yeah, still it's like hard, that it's <laughs> It's hard to like make you know the point that I'm trying to make. I'm trying to be sensitive and uh, about it, but let's put it like this, okay? Do you don't would you say, just as you know, a fan watching football, that there's levels to concussions and that the lower end 
is something that just gets overlooked on like every Sunday. There's definitely levels to it because guys show they can come back in and look good and throw another touchdown pass or two with a concussion. So people don't always respect the danger. The danger isn't in the moment or some, sometimes it's not even in that evening because, you know, the, the thing back in the day was don't look at a screen, don't go to sleep, don't do all that. They've come further than all that, but you still got to worry about if something else happens in a short amount of time. And it doesn't take anything big for your brain to get shaken up, bro. Like, as we can see, yes, he did get slammed pretty hard, but it's not like he jumped in the air and fell from 40 inches down and landed right on his head. Like that, the bills game one to me looked, it, it looked soft. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it didn't look his head would like he tucked his chin. I've watched it so many times trying to like, see mm-hmm. he tucked his chin, doesn't really hit his head that hard gets up. It brings me to like to play devil's advocate. Just like, is it possible that you're woozy and you shake your head like that and you're not concussed? Is it possible that you were concussed but not to the extent that it would just shown up on any concussion protocol test? Because it mm-hmm. seems that he legitimately passed it and whether or not he was concussed at all, so he could have 100% been concussed or he could have not been concussed, it looked to me that he was playing at the level. I mean, considering... You're getting plays yelled to you through your helmet long enough to where Chris Sims couldn't recite it on hard knocks. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's not an easy thing to do. This isn't somebody can walk off the street and do this. It's like, you know, alpha spider X down, roll right, Z, Z. Yeah, you got to recite that to the to the team. You have to know what it means. He's like telling Chase Edmonds to switch sides for pass protection and stuff and throws a the arguably the best throw we have ever seen Tua make in a Dolphins uniform <laughs> to like pretty much win the game. Yeah. And then goes on to the reporters afterwards and is completely lucid, is going into detail about answering questions and all of this. And, you know, like I said, regardless of if he was actually concussed or not, that kind of to me was a testament to how, if he was concussed, how bad it was. And I'm not trying to discredit a minor brain injury, but yeah. in the using the scope of the NFL and you know through the lens of like, hey, this unfortunately does happen all the time. He, I understand completely how it would have been possible for him to pass the concussion protocol in a convincing manner, based on what you saw from the Bills game. I I you think know? if I went back, I want to say it was sometime in the middle of the first quarter or second quarter, but. There was a point in time where Valdez noticed and I noticed that Tua got up kind of shaken, maybe after a sneak or a sack or some play where the defense brought him down. And he didn't look right way earlier in the game before the Milano That was thing. the back injury. Yeah. That was what he was – that was that was his, his response and the coach's response. He said that on that quarterback sneak – he got caught between like three players and his back hyperextended. Mm-hmm. So it bent his back backwards, almost like a, like a U, like an upside down U. Mm-hmm. And he, he said he didn't know if he was, I think he's saying he didn't know if he was going to be able to play. He got up and like the adrenaline carried him on. Right. But during the week, his scare was he didn't know if he'd be able to play through the back soreness and be able to throw the ball. That's how bad it was. You know, obviously it was a short week going into the Bengals game, but right. To me, that leaves the door open legitimately. As far-fetched as it can be, people are swearing that with a lower back injury, 
that you can lose motor skills like being able to walk out surprisingly like that. Bro. And once again, I've watched this play so many times. And the exact moment that Tua's legs buckle, I haven't seen the all 22 of it, which would probably, you know, show, shine a little bit more light on how it looks from the other mm -hmm. angle. But from the one that we see, a, an offensive lineman or somebody or a Bills player or somebody is walking right in front of the camera as Tua's legs buckle and you see the aftermath of it. You know what I mean? You see, like, him trying to like, regain his composure, but you don't see it immediately you know, his legs start to fall. Like it's like the perfect timing right. of it. And I think that helps him get away with what they were trying to say as well. Last thing I'm going to say is it is possible that he had both injuries. I think it's possible yeah. that his back was hurt. It, maybe his ankle was hurt too. I don't, I don't know about all that. That's too a, I don't think he's a liar, but I think it's possible that yes, he hurt his back. And then yes, he also had two concussions in four days. It's not that far fetched. And, also, and everyone trying to make are it. Saying a, you can get concussed for the back. Again, people just online swearing it's all these conspiracies and oh, what a doctor really put his license on the line uh, to cover for a guy for a football game? Like, uh, yes. Yes, you f idiot. And I'm sorry I'm trying not to cuss as much for editing purposes, but the answer to the question is an emphatic f yes. Like, if you don't believe that, you still believe in Santa Claus. You put. Keith under your pillow expecting money like you are a and child it's a double standard like we know uh, like for the people that are calling for mike mcdaniel's head and the ex we got on a, on a short list just based off my memory ex gms of teams including the dolphins ex players um all of the biggest media talking heads when it pertains to the nfl um, ex-coaches, current coaches including but not limited to john harbaugh bill belichick the Senator of New Jersey or a congressperson from New Jersey writing about it. Uh, there's neurologists who don't dabble in sports. There's a guy, I forget his name, whose entire life has been devoted to um, shining a light on the dangers of concussions in the NFL. So, you know, not that he's wrong about what he's saying, but like it seems a little bit biased that we're using this guy whose entire life's work is devoted to taking down the NFL for concussions. Like we all know it happens. Just like brain injuries and stuff happen in mixed martial arts and everyone still watches it. It is kind of a gruesome thing, but... The double standard here where everyone's calling for Mike McDaniel and other people to be fired is crazy. That's It's how people are, just, though, bro. There's people out there that don't want the NFL to be a thing, and hiding injuries like this gives them ammo. And the more ammo that you give them, the more they're going to talk, the more they're going to get hyped, the more they're going to have to say. So just don't give them the ammo. Sit the kid if there's even a question about it. And no need to call for his head, but that's what people do, bro. People, people demand an answer and want a, a report for anything nowadays. They want to speak to a manager. Everybody's entitled and everyone wants to say what they want to say. And you guys go ahead and do that. I don't care. Dolphins are still making the playoffs. Give Tua this week off, maybe another week. And he's straight, but I would like to move on and we could talk about the good news or the bad news on the Bengals. I don't know if you would, yeah. if you have a preference. No, yeah, if you'd absolutely. like to go over bad I would first. Like to... <laughs> Let's see. Let's just go by position group. Uh, after watching it, you know, obviously there was a substantial difference between watching Tua and Teddy out there for me. Um, even though they does look like they're running a similar offense. Um, quarterback play. 
talk about Tua and then Teddy. So Tua looked like he came out and he looked pretty good, honestly. He looked like what we've been seeing out of Tua. Um, there was a really bad interception to arguably one of the best safeties in the entire league. Um, rewatching that play on some people who have the all 22 and break it down, it looks like it's one of three things. It looks like what most people are going to say it is, which is wrong, in my opinion, that it's an arm strength issue. Well, we've seen Tua air it out way longer, way more velocity, way more accurate than what happened when that ball got intercepted. So I'm going to discredit the idea that it's an arm talent or arm strength what issue. What a rocket. Tua through. what a rocket. Yeah. I'm like, I got, his, yeah, exactly. I, I'm in this one group text with a bunch of Bucks fans and and as soon as that play happened, what a rocket by Tua. And Albie yeah, Do- dove on me. them instantly. Like, it's cobwebs silence all week when the Dolphins win, when the Dolphins ball, when they come from behind, when they beat the Bills, when they do all this stuff. Oh, it's discrediting that. You discredit that, One though. interception. It was a, it was a, the, and y'all got the Ravens secondary wasn't good. The Bills were missing players. The Pats weren't ready yeah. yet. Um, it was too hot. Whatever you want to say, well, now but not, as soon as something saying, like that They happens. were saying the Patriots just weren't good anymore, and then they just won with a third-string quarterback. So, Who's arguably better than Mac Jones, hey, might I hey, I don't know. Bailey Zapp. He was zapping him. But, <laughs> but the other outcome could be for that pass was that um, – the people are going to say, don't throw it into double coverage. Okay. That's a fair point. And that is what my first instinct was watching that interception. Then after watching a couple times, it looks like most of Tua's throws in this offense are anticipation and timing based. He doesn't have the elite traits that some other guys who are larger or have stronger arms not stronger than just Tua, strong in the general sense, like top five strongest arms in the league type arm that don't need to have the timing and they can be late on reads and still jam it in there. But Tua has to be like, everything has to be down to the second timed well. And it looked like that could have been just a misfire between Tyreek and Tua for the timing. Um, and that's mm-hmm. on Tua. If he's got, you know, if that's the kind of ball he's going to have to play. That's the type of, issues that he's not going to be able to you know mistakes he's not going to be able to make um but yeah that was other than that I, I thought that Tua played a pretty good game before the injury uh maybe he held on to the ball a little too long for that tackle I think we can both agree on that yeah. but other than that it, it, he, he, it looked like we were going to win the game I was confident you know I was enjoying watching it it wasn't a it, we were in contention the entire time so and then Teddy came in yeah I'm not going to be mad at Tua he was playing well. The only thing I will say if we're in the film room is, bro, you just got to put that more to the right. It's not even how far you threw it. You threw it far enough. If you would have just put it more to the right, let Cheetah run under it and get farther away from that corner, that's a yeah. house call. So I'm not knocking you for where you threw it. Just lead it a little bit more to the right. And again, you're still throwing to a guy that runs so fast that it's hard to like adjust to it at times. So I don't knock him. And I actually have Teddy as one of my positives to the game because he came in and I was expecting worse. Um, his interception technically wasn't an interception. Uh, Jeff Bezos just called for the game to be over and they just swept us off exit stage right. Like, let's go ahead and get the popcorn out. Like, it was so sketchy how fast they ended the game without even reviewing a turnover. But 
take that turnover away teddy finishes with a pretty decent day possibly wins the game on that last drive and even if he doesn't i think he stepped in and played pretty well he had pretty decent numbers and uh i'm not confident that he could you know carry us for an eight game nine game stretch if something else happened to tua but i think giving him a week of preparation giving him you know hey you're only gonna have to cover this for a couple games type of deal this isn't long term you know play uh play like there's no tomorrow it'll be good for him and i think he'll be able to handle himself for this one and then he gets a revenge game versus the vikings so both of them are revenge games cool. he was he was uh, on the jets as well that's true i forgot yeah, about that so, and who doesn't want revenge against the jets uh yeah to i mean uh teddy looked like he was oh not good but okay and uh once again okay Okay, I was expecting worse, bro. If you remember on the bangle, the episode before the preview, I was begging us to start Skyler. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I, I don't want to have lackadaisical ass Teddy out there, but hey, that lackadaisical play action worked for a bomb, and it worked on a couple other plays. So that I mean, catch by Tyree had me shook. I didn't it. believe it. Like he was juggling it and bobbling it. Jakeem Grant would have bobbled that into the damn crowd. Literally, bro. <laughs> I mean, he finished <laughs> He finished 8 for 14. Most of his yardage was on that throw. Or no, he that was Tua. Teddy finished 14 for 23. 60, almost 61%. Almost 200 he yards. Sent that, Not that a terrible was a day. prayer. When I seen that ball go into the air, like Teddy threw like three bombs like that. And two of them, I was like, oh yeah. my God. One of them was a bona fide pick if it didn't go out of bounds. The other one I mean, was, Tua. you know, uh, he had to fight for it to <laughs> knock it down so it didn't get intercepted. And then that one, it was the third one. I was like, please don't throw it up again. I'm watching it. I stand up. I go, why? Why? And then yeah. he caught it. In his defense, throwing prayers is definitely in the offensive philosophy because Tua's interception was thrown on a prayer and Quite a few throws that I've seen this season from Tua look like prayers. They just hit. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Tua gets caught. At, like, if it's a single high safety coverage and you have your head cocked to the left and then you just fire it to the right, it's probably going to work out for you most of the time. If you misread the coverage and it's not actually one safety back there or for some reason they're going to rotate somebody else or somebody comes off their job and catches where you're actually throwing it, that gets intercepted almost every time by the way that Tua lets that ball go. And it's kind of been scaring me lately, even though more have worked out than yeah. haven't watching the film and seeing how he decides to do it is a little scary. Seeing how he just lets it rip. It's like bro. he's a pitcher. Like there's nothing he's going on. He's a baseball on. pitcher. Yeah. He looks to the left, looks, looks away and then turns, boom, fire. It's like, he's a quick draw. Yeah, and it's raw when it hits though. It, it's raw oh, yeah. when it hits on that RPO, especially when he gives him a look. Yeah. It reminds me of a, a 15. an old Western like, movie. The guys that come out and they go, they take 10 steps and then bah, that's who he is. That's who, to his quick draw meow, like that. Meow, yeah, meow. exactly. All right. So let's move on to <laughs> the offensive line. Fly through him. Offensive line. Yeah. Liam Eikenberg is awful. Um, everyone else played really well except for Leon Eikenberg and Greg Little. Greg Little last week or the week before we had mentioned played well and we didn't know if he was going to give the job back to um, AJ when he comes back from injury for right tackle. And it's interesting, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Greg Little dislocated or broke his finger and played this game anyways. 
And last thing I mentioned was that when he was hurt, he looked like a totally different player than when he was not hurt. He played great until he had that ankle injury, and then he played abysmally. And then the same thing happens this game. He's injured, and it's just like this guy can't play through injuries. So um, clearly he was trying to, and he was coming off, and then he was going back in. And he still somehow graded around the same level as Liam. And I think Liam is our biggest glaring weakness on the team. Aside from nothing, yeah. If I'm going to be honest, um, somebody told you that it, when they it, drafted him, though, like day one, right? Yeah, somebody in the group chat. There's a whole bunch of guys with the same name, so it's hard to keep track. <laughs> but uh, it's it's been funny to see him not develop because we're watching Robert Hunt turn into a damn near pro bowler right in front of our eyes. We're watching Connor Williams switch positions and grade out in the top five in the NFL. Um, that's it like AJ was trending up it was looking like he was taking steps forward and looking like he was going to be a competent tackle and Liam's the only one that's not he still looks like a little thumb out there he just doesn't look right yeah even I hate to say it but even when you're at practices or like you're watching warm-ups like before games and they're like just dressed like not in pads and stuff yet he just don't look right bro like I don't know. I want Quentin Nelson style. I want a dog. I want a big dirty meathead. And Liam looks like he's about to like go take school pictures. Like Yeah. I don't I, know. I don't get down with I, them. And I paid them the amount of times one. he just whiffs. Yeah, I know. But in his like not in his defense, also saying we have three guys that grade out top ten in the NFL between Connor, Aaron, and Robert Hunt. And then we have bottom three. And Liam in Liam and Greg Little, yeah. And we're watching that that uh, little cut. I guess you would call it a highlight reel of Greg Little just getting pancaked repeatedly and just blown by. It's like we see that in the game, and you're like, "Golly, who just got blown off the line like that?" Like Greg, you're three hundred what three hundred and ten pounds, just boom on his butt. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, it's Liam too, though. And then I'm watching Taron Armstead hold Von Miller, like. I don't get it. There's levels to this shit, though, and it's clear to see that. But the rest of the O line, I would I would grade it out as a positive overall. We only gave up one sack, even with how bad Liam is and bad Greg Little is. Um, part of that has to be credited to the quarterbacks moving in the pocket, but it used to be way worse. And I can't say enough about Taron Armstead and Connor Williams, phenomenal additions. And Robert Hunt's probably been my favorite player outside of Christian Wilkins since the day we drafted yeah. him. I've just always been in love with him. Can play uh, guard and tackle. I've never hit it. Yeah. And he's just a great person. Like it's like anyone that doesn't know his whole story, like dude didn't have enough money to go to like any football camps coming out of high school he scrounged up like 33 bucks went to the only camp he could got his offer from the rage and cajuns and just held it down third round pick like literally went to that camp with the one pair of cleats he had and his one shirt that was it and he's about he's making his first pro bowl this year like i don't care if i have to pay for facebook ads and instagram campaigns like well it's nice that, that man is making the pro at bowl. least we have one offensive line that we uh, lineman that we drafted that's going to be worth playing for the next couple of years, seeing as the rest of them have been just shots in the dark to to draft players <laughs> who just have no business playing in the NFL. But we hit we hit on Robert Hunt and one the for jury's five still out. Bad. Oh, jury's still out on Liam, and I think the jury's still out on the big fish. The jury's I about think, to uh, send Liam away for life. 
Did I say Liam? Yeah. I'm, I meant AJ. I did not mean Liam. There's oh. no jury out on Liam. Yeah. Uh, the, the, <laughs> we've already made our final in. ruling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're just waiting for sentencing right now. Yeah. But nah, AJ is going to be a breath of fresh air, hopefully, because hopefully we hit on that one too. He doesn't have to play to Hunt's level. Just play better than Little and Liam, and that's good enough for me right now. And yeah, Liam needs to be replaced. While we're replacing people, I don't know if Hunter is also the answer at tight end. I don't know if we have our tight end as of right now. Yeah, I was going to say, let's um, move the tight end. Uh, I don't think we have one. Yeah, no, Mike Kosicki, I'm like the biggest defender, biggest stand, Mike Kosicki. I love him, don't want to get rid of him. Franchise tag, whatever you want to call it, why he's here. But watching long, the Niners. Second and long, third and long. Yeah. Throw me the fucking ball. I love him, but it's just become glaring. It's just become so evident. Not that it's not even that he's a liability so much. It's just that this team could be so much better if they had a tight end who was a really good blocker. Watching the way that the Niners offense runs, you know, not only because of the way that Mike McDaniel comes from that system or developed the system or created the system or however it works, but the personnel they have over there allows them to run the ball successfully almost every time. And then they throw the play action. And it's so out of nowhere for their offense because they could just keep running the ball. They have that option. They're seeing success yep. with the with the run game. They don't need to throw the ball because they're not getting the first down. Every once in a while, they'll have to throw a third down or something like that, you know, a pass on third down to try and keep the chains moving. But they run the ball so well that that's why Debo Samuel can catch the ball 15 yards out and turn it into a 100-yard house call. Yep. A lot of that's George Kittle out there. A lot of that's, you know, they have pro Bowl talent on the offensive line almost all the way around, you know, and they're a little injured right now, and the guys are still out there playing well. That's all of their receivers are taught to block. You got Debo, I mean, Brandon Ayuk out there laying hits. You got everybody out there, which is why I love Trent Sherfield on our team right now, and you could see that that stems from that same exact system. And yes, if sir. we were to have Dalton Schultz or somebody else who's a big blocking guy, I think that we'd see a lot more Tyreek jet, jet sweeps and uh, Jalen Waddle jet sweeps and screens and stuff like that be huge chunk plays as opposed to like nine-yard gains to keep the, the chains moving. Well, right now, the, the biggest thing that you said is like the Niners, they can just keep running the ball if they want to. You watch them string together a four-yard run, a six-yard run, an eight-yard run, a seven-yard run, all back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Whenever we break off a run longer than four to five yards, if we try to run it again, we're going to lose yards. Yeah. Whoever, whoever Liam is blocking is going to beat him, and we're going to lose yards. So, like... 100%. The day, the day that that becomes part of the offense, I don't know if it's going to be this year, and Mike is not the tight end for it. It's not no disrespect to him. It's just not his game to be an inline blocker like that. And he's always said, you know, I can block and I'm working on it. But brother, we're watching it and we've always watched it. And like, it's not there. You're not TJ Hawkinson. You're not Mark Andrews. You're not Travis Kelsey. You're not George Kittle when it comes to this block. He's a big, big now, receiver. You're the goat when it comes to tight ends jumping up and mossing and one handing people and doing crazy stuff but that's not what the offense needs we have cheetah we have waddle we have trent Sherfield. we have river craig draft bro who's signed like, to the squad who is signed 
to the squad right now. I need to acknowledge that my boy River made the team. They elevated him three games in a row, and they said, you know what, River? We made a mistake here. We should have yep. had you signed to the roster from the get-go, just like I said. Travis Wingfield, if you're listening, you told me in Tampa you didn't think my man would make the team. And that just blew my mind, being the coog that you are. Heard it and here first, Travis. I think I think you owe your cougar brother uh, an apology. Uh, the river, it's always been the river. The river never runs dry, and he's still <laughs> the great value Jordy Nelson. Ain't I love no him. We all love him. <laughs> <laughs> river is day one. Dolphins is a river is a river uh, approved podcast. Yes, Laurel Coleman, River Craycraft, um, <laughs> Bobby Hunt, yeah, Robert Christian Hunt, Wilkins. Christian Wilkins. There we go. Um, That's the team captains. <laughs> wide receiver, running back. Um, I'll start by saying Chase Edmonds during that game had that end zone pass, which was a game-changing pass. That was four points that we left on the board. Also surprised mm-hmm. that Mike McDaniel doesn't go for it fourth and goal there. Um, we took the yeah. points from like the three or four-yard line. We kicked it. Um, Probably what his analytics person told him was the highest probability type deal. Yeah, you know. and based on how the Bengals went down there that first drive, he's probably just like, man, I don't know, let's take the points. But either way, Chase Edmonds, ball hits you in the hand. Not only did we bring you in here as the number one running back, you were a bona fide pass catching back. I just got to see you come down with that, brother. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, there's no there's no reason to drop that. That would be one of the negatives on the day. Um, and he's basically just asking to not be the RB1. It already seems like uh, our boy Heem is the true RB1 first down, second down, Which getting the we carries also running back. called on this podcast that a couple you weeks in, that once he was established and back from injury and he looked healthy, that he would be taking the majority of the snaps through the through, from yeah, the backfield. You heard it here first. You also heard that Trent Sherfield was going to make the team because he was basically Juice 2.0 with better blocking. And that's come to fruition. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we know what the f- we're talking about. But um, I like seeing Raheem, Big Heem as I call him. Anytime I see him with the ball, I go, oh, my God, it's Heem. He's got 4.6 last game on 15 carries. Yeah, that's solid. That's he's, what you want he's been, out of an RB one. That's a real run game almost. Like real yeah. run game is you know us putting up thirty carries, but that's only when we're winning. And watching we our running backs is crazy this year because like they're already full speed before they hit hit our offensive line, and we haven't they seen that slow in a long time. <laughs> now two knocks though. Raheem is very fast through the hole, but for some reason, I guess he's never done running back drills with a running backs coach where you're supposed to switch hands and have the ball on yeah, your what is that? outside hand. This man's literally like giving up the stiff arm and just trying to drop his shoulder going through the hole. Like, bro, switch it, stiffy, next level. Like, If the running is, back's not comfortable switching, the, switching what hand the ball's in, then I don't want him doing it. <laughs> as bro, much as I want to see it happen, if you ain't comfortable moving the ball while you're running, don't do it because I'd, I'd well, rather you go not, down bro. than fumble. He gets to the second level and has the ball on his inside hand. And I'm just like, bro, you're giving up all your moves. What are you going to do? Stop and juke back? He knows that's your only move. And if you do it wrong, somebody from behind is going to punch the ball out. So, like, outside hand. But either way, I'm nitpicking. They just yeah. need to have me in that room. I'll be tearing them apart in film. He looks good, um, though. He looks like he does. He looks great. 
he looks great. And Chase Edmonds has developed more into just like a hybrid weapon. He's almost like another slot jet sweep. Like you don't know what you're going to get guy. And they hit a lot of screens and the pass protection, man. They're both way better. So yeah. They, oh, they buck. If you send a linebacker full speed, like they're down to just put their helmet down and like stand him up. Like, come on, young man, you better bring your britches. But I like what I saw out of them. And honestly, even though the numbers weren't crazy, I liked what I saw out of the receivers. Jalen probably could have used the night off, too. I think it was obvious his groin was bothering him, and yeah. he was just dugging it out anyway. But cheetah, cheetah, defense beta. That's the uh, steal of the offseason. I don't care what anybody says. What we could have given him another. Maker. F- bro, give him another $5 million a year just because he's so dope. He's- like, give that man a raise. I don't give a Everybody that was saying, like, he would miss Pat Mahomes. Dude, Tyreek Hill is going to do his thing with anybody, anyone. I don't care who it is. What did he say in the press conference? I'll put up numbers with you. Talking to Marcel, yeah. Come on. (laughs) Um, Speaking of groin issue, we'll go switch right over to defense, touch base on. Xavier Howard didn't make it through the entire game. We knew and we have seen in the past that, like, he tusks it out, man. That boy, he, he tries to play. He knows what he means to this team. And even when Byron's out, you know, he tries to, like, figure it out for us. And you can see he tried. Yeah. He gave up a huge touchdown to T. Higgins. And I wasn't even mad because I was just like, that's probably not going to happen again this season you know what I mean like it's not that often I can't I can count on like one hand how many times I've watched Xavier Howard give that touchdown up so I'm not super mad he ended up coming out of the game probably once you know it was bothering him enough although at the end of the game he did interview and say no it wasn't an injury that bothered me he just he just beat me like a man so I respect that as well and T Higgins is no walk walk over you know you and Zach both talked about it last week when we were discussing the pre-Bengals game. We are talking about, you know, their wide receiver group is amongst probably one of the best. They have the deepest starting group of, of wide receivers of that caliber, you know. T. Higgins, yeah. Jamar Chase, and... Uh, Tyler Boyd. Yeah, Tyler Boyd. They're all... We handled Boyd. Boyd was basically not a problem. I mean, we had a rookie on Jamar Chase... I mean, we either had Nick Needham or Cater Kohu on Jamar Chase almost the entire game. So let's see how Cater Cater against T. Higgins. He gave up one catch for 22 yards. Um, X versus him gave up three for 85 and a tutty. Uh, um, show, what's what's Nick Needham's looking like? So Needham, just for the shows. You know, information. It's not here. showing any. It is not showing that Cater covered Jamar Chase. Was it crossing? Had to be because it was one of the two. Yeah, it was crossing. Yeah, and he only gave up three for sixty-seven. Yeah. So. Yeah, Cater did. T Higgins one for one for twenty-two. Hayden Hurst one for one for six, and then Tyler Boyd five targets, two receptions, forty-seven yards. Really That's wasn't so, that bad. And that one touchdown to over Xavier Howard is just like whatever. You know, it just it happens. It yeah. really wasn't that bad. And we had two undrafted uh, players out there at corner and one rookie. So mm-hmm. or two rookies. And then two of the three were undrafted guys, you know, yeah. Nick Needham and uh, Kohu. So I think they need put him. Crossing on Jamar Chase because he's the fastest. And they were just like, dude, just stay with this yep. guy. They put Xavier Howard on T. Higgins, and T. Higgins went, walked away with that win. And they put um, 
Kader Kohu like- in the slot sometimes it looks like, and then obviously you know they ran the, the the their tight end out of it. We saw some Eric Rowe on him. We saw some uh, Kader Kohu on him, but altogether yep. it could have it was terrible to have to watch a team like the Miami Dolphins that have built from the outside in on defense paid their two corners the most. I mean, and have to watch these guys cover what we just referred to as one of the best wide receiver cores in the entire game of football. It should have been a bloodbath if we're being honest and it wasn't. So yeah, I can't knock the boys on a short week after the defense played 40 something minutes straight in the sun, bro. And you got Nick Needham on two targets guarding T Higgins. Jamar chase gave up no receptions. Why is Keon crossing guarding Jamar chase for three for 67? If I would have known Keon Crossan was going to be lined up with Jamar Chase all day, I would have taken Xanax put, before the game. <laughs> bro, I would have been on DraftKings putting Jamar Chase as my captain over and over again on every single f-ing lineup. Yeah. And not having T. Higgins anywhere because X. T. And Higgins, like, low key from a fantasy perspective, has been going off and it's not, he's just been getting the target share. Everyone's on he, Jamar Chase now. So he's that guy. He's eaten now. He also clearly had a concussion last week came back in the game and kept playing and possibly had a concussion the week before that that they kind of just let ride yeah anybody questioning like the difference between the Tua concussion and the and what's this huge debate over whether he should play again ever or this or that or how it was handled just think to yourselves about Bill Belichick allowing Patrick Chung to come back in that game in the Super Bowl after he was disgustingly concussed? Or what about the tight end they had that was so concussed that he murdered people and then killed himself? What about right. John Harbaugh let the same thing happen with Lamar Jackson? He got concussed, came back in the game, finished it, and played next week. T. Higgins, same thing, man. This is something that happens, and it's just not under the spotlight, but... T. Higgins yeah. was 100% concussed in that Jets game. He took a vicious head-to-helmet-to-helmet to helmet hit. Now look what they do without him, though, versus us. How does that offense look running their thirds? They couldn't get it going with their real offense for the most part. Yeah. Like, without him breaking that big play or without just his overall presence, again, I was confident beating them with Skyler uh, off-rip. so you take t higgins out of that they're screwed so there's no way they were going to let that ride and play without him but either way i'm moving on from all this concussion talk two is going to be all right our score predictions Uh, weren't that far off i mean we said we'd lose if two didn't play um i think we said 17 to 21 yep um and we also said we'd lose if we didn't get a pass rush going which we didn't we got one sack no interceptions and two tackles for loss there was a sack sack Phillips got that got taken back yeah and they almost took away his one that they did keep they just pulled the flag maybe that's the one uh, i'm thinking of then yeah he had he had three hurries he had another hit um he didn't play terribly but like again this was a guy that got like sacked what like 15 times through the first three games yeah like i was yes his old line played out of their minds but i was expecting at least two three sacks and a pick like he's been really bad with the ball and we didn't we sh- we covered everyone we didn't give him a lot of options but like i would have expected a little bit more pass rush the game script didn't go in our favor 
obviously if you have the lead that's why when you can send more pressure and dial up more blitzes but i'm really getting sick of the zero blitzes they work against rookie quarterbacks and guys that don't know where they're about to throw the ball but doing it against josh allen and joe burrow and these guys that are very comfortable in the pocket including lamar uh just dumping it to their slot guy that's uncovered or just reading and within 1.5 seconds throwing it to the guy that's uncovered because you can't cover everyone that's just too easy for them bro you can't keep dialing this up now against zach wilson you'll probably get away with it and maybe get an easy interception or an easy sack but you but remember like, what we talked about last time how we were kind of upset about how it was happening versus the bills but it's like you have to commit and it's not always going to work in the beginning of the game but i under, like i respect the fact that he commits to it because that's the only way that it works and it does start <sighs> to take its toll it's just when does that first when does that first pressure or quarterback hit come? You know, does it come in the you first can't. 10 plays? Does it come in the second half? When does it come? Then that's kind of like what causes the quarterback that's being relentlessly blitzed to be a little bit more uncomfortable is seeing success early when you're doing it. And also when you're missing your cornerbacks, man, it's a lot harder to play that coverage. Richard Sherman was on Twitter going off about it. I don't agree with what he was saying. He's trying to like come to Xavier Howard's aid and say it's unfair that he plays this style of ball, but like, dude, Xavier Howard's been playing the same system for years now, and he thrives yeah. in it. So, I think if it. Byron Jones was in the game and Xavier Howard was healthy, this was an absolute mop. Just yeah, it wasn't. It, we for many reasons we won this game. That's why I'm not stressed out about it at all, man. We're three and one. Yeah. It looked like we were going to win this game. Down to three minutes left in the game, and and Teddy Bridgewater throws that interception. Which, by the way, for anyone listening, it was it should have been reviewed. If you go to YouTube or wherever you go and you rewatch that game right now, watch that interception hit the ground before he holds on to it. It wasn't an interception, you know. And Teddy was dry. We were in Bengals territory. With three minutes left in the game, down by five, potentially could have won the game. That last score that kind of widened the margin of the numbers on between the Bengals and the Dolphins was because that interception that shouldn't have counted, he was able to run back like 40 yards and put them in great position to score immediately again. Without that, you know, you know, the, the score didn't really depict the actually how close the game was. So I think there's nothing to be alarmed about. I think that this would have been a win and they played surprisingly well for being, you know, on the road after that brutal Bills game, missing the players that they missed, losing to a halfway through the game, all things considered. I think we got a lot to hang our hats on here and I think they'll be fine mm -hmm. moving forward to the next game. I think we'll be good. I'm not stressing it too hard. I don't like how this next one matches up and we can go over that on the next episode, but we... If we had Byron, yes, I agree. We probably get a turnover. We probably get, you know, maybe a strip sack fumble just because there's really nowhere to throw it and we squeeze it out that way. But I'm still not going to agree with leaving a man open with the way our pass rush can't get home right now. The only time you're going to send a blitz and leave a man open is when you know for a fact somebody's going to get home and we're not getting home. So until Byron gets back in the secondaries at full force at least if you want to blitz eight, nine, go ahead, but just make sure everyone's covered. Don't just leave Isaiah McKenzie 
wide open in the slot uncovered and guard Gabe Davis and Diggs. Like, that's just far too easy. Take him away and leave Dawson Knox open or something else. But the way they scheme it, I still don't agree. But I, I, I'm down with Boyer. I'm down with dialing up pressure. I wish we could get home with the pressure that we send naturally, sending like three. Maybe if we just stopped pretending Jalen Phillips is a linebacker and put him at straight up end, start running a traditional four three and just send Jalen Phillips every play, that would help. But I don't know how many times on this show I need to say stop putting that boy in coverage and just send him at the quarterback because that's what he does. Like we're holding him back so much asking him to do all this weird We're healthy corners and in a Landon Roberts replacement away from being able to run this defense at the highest rate it's ever any defensive coordinators had it run. So I agree. can't be too upset definitely, with it. Definitely the Landon replacement. It works out more times than it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? So you can give up a touchdown and then the next the next series, you know, you get pressure and Xavier Howard gets a pick. But just got to remain consistent. And we're moving past the portion of playing quarterbacks that are good against the blitz. So it should get easier here on out. I can't wait to to play against Zach Wilson and uh, Kirk Cousins. Um, but on that note, we'll be back next week with some Jets talk. Jets hate week, man. It's kind of my favorite. I have that shirt that they sold outside of Hard Rock that says, you know, basically just f*** the Jets. <laughs> and it's great. But And I'm ready to smack the out of Zach Wilson and his pretty ass little face. You think he got a pretty smile? I got a pretty smile. <laughs> you ever seen a grown man butt naked? <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, it's your... It's your boys. Make sure you follow us on on Twitter. Follow the podcast at Day One Dolphins. Follow Chief Sut at Chief Sut. Follow me at Y Fins Y Y. Fins up. Don't hang your heads. That was a that was a respectable loss, all things considered. We're on to the Jets. We'll catch you next time for the Jets preview, baby. Fins up. Let's get it. Fins up. Miami, you're talking Super Bowl Cause we're the Miami Dolphins